48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. The government says the protest slogan, Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times, is in violation of the new national security law. A man accused of stabbing a police officer during yesterday's protest is arrested while trying to leave Hong Kong. And Beijing slams London for allowing BNO passport holders to settle in Britain. The government says the protest slogan, Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times, is in violation of the new national security law because it carries secessionist or subversive intent. The statement came after demonstrators displayed items featuring the slogan during yesterday's July 1st protests. The government condemned acts that challenged the country's sovereignty and integrity and urged people not to take part in them. Police say they've arrested a man in connection with the stabbing of an officer during yesterday's protest in Causeway Bay. Reports say he was hauled off a plane moments before its departure to London last night. Here's Timmy Sung. Reports said a 24-year-old man was already on board the Cafe Pacific flight when riot police arrived and escorted him away. A police source was quoted as saying that the suspect bought a ticket last minute and had no check-in luggage with him. The flight was delayed for nearly an hour according to airport's record. Police were dispersing protesters outside the Central Library in Causeway Bay yesterday when an officer was stabbed on the left shoulder. According to the police, the officer was making an arrest at the time, but the suspect resisted, and the officer was attacked by other people with umbrellas and a dagger. The suspect fled the scene. In a separate case, a 25-year-old man was arrested after he allegedly threw a petrol bomb at a police car in Mongkok last night. Officers say they found a Molotov cocktail in his possession. He is being detained on suspicion of arson and possession of instruments fit for unlawful purpose. The pro-establishment and pan-democratic camps have locked horns over the arrests of 10 people accused of breaching the new national security law yesterday. A top pro-government figure, Tam Yu-chung of the National People's Congress Standing Committee, says a show of force by protesters showed the law isn't harsh enough to deter them. Mr Tam added that Hong Kong people must understand that certain things can no longer be done now that the law is in effect, such as possessing a flag advocating Hong Kong independence. The opposition begs to differ. Democratic Party lawmaker James Toe says the arrests show Beijing is going all out in enforcing the new law. Well, it demonstrates that the uh, government is trying to convey a message of uh, that uh, they will uh, strictly enforce uh, the new national security law. It seems that uh, they are not trying to give a warning first or trying to uh, let the people to understand the law more roughly and try to explain the, in greater detail uh, before they would strictly enforce the law. So they want to demonstrate that uh, they will outright uh, strictly enforce the law. China has warned Britain it would bear all consequences for any move it took to offer Hong Kong people a path to settling in the UK. The foreign ministry says Beijing reserves the right to act against London over the issue, but it didn't specify what countermeasures it may take. Those comments came after Britain said it was offering citizenship for up to 3 million Hong Kongers who have a BNO passport or are eligible for one after they live and work in the UK for five years. Veteran Democrat Emily Lau says that's good news for Hong Kong people who may be looking for an additional option. And she was asked by RTHK if that would lead to a mass exodus. I don't think so. And that's what I've been telling uh, many UK news organisations. I said... Hong Kong is our home. Many Hong Kong people want to stay here to live and work here, but they want an emergency exit. They want a lifeboat. 
in case things go very wrong. So if the situation here does not deteriorate, then I think I guess not too many people will want to leave. But of course, if things get very bad, then many would want to leave, whether they have BNO passport or not. The director of the chief executive's office, Eric Chan, has been appointed by Beijing as the secretary general of the new National Security Committee. In a statement, chief executive Carrie Lam says Mr Chan has the ability to also take up the new post to lead a team in offering support to the National Security Committee. The committee is tasked with analysing and assessing developments in relation to safeguarding national security and making related plans and policies. Beijing will send its national security adviser to sit in on the committee's meetings. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. An infectious disease expert has called on the government to plug what he sees as a loophole when it comes to COVID-19 home quarantine. In a recent local case, a woman with no travel history came down with the virus and she's believed to have contracted it from family members who had returned from the US and were undergoing home quarantine. Dr Joseph Tsung says these household contacts are at risk of getting infected. The household contacts are not under the quarantine measures. So whenever they do have some uh, symptoms, they are not required to report to the Center for Health Protection. But uh, they are free to go everywhere in the community. They are prone to uh, at risk of getting the infection because they are uh, considered to be uh, having close contact with those um, household members. We have to reinforce the household members um, I mean, uh, not those under quarantines. They have to uh, somehow report to the Center for Health Protection if they do got symptoms. Or they have to alert their family physicians or um, their private doctors whenever they seek for medical consultations. Meanwhile, Hong Kong has reported nine more imported coronavirus cases. The latest patients have visited either India or Pakistan recently. Customs officers say their investigation has revealed that 6.7 million surgical masks procured by the government logistics department bear false trade descriptions. Officers say the fake trademark is not registered in Hong Kong and is intended to mislead the public. Four people from two trading companies have been arrested, accused of breaching the trade descriptions ordinance. Makyuk Khan, the customs head of trade control, says while those masks have passed local safety tests, they were different from the originals in several ways. The material used in the nose piece by the original manufacturer is aluminium, while that used in the mask in question is a plastic shielded metal wire. The color of the outer fabric used by the original manufacturer is obviously lighter than that of the mask concern. The government logistics department, for its part, says a supplier received $15.2 million for providing the masks. It says it suspects the supplier made use of false documents and has referred the matter to the police. The Hong Kong Journalists Association has raised fresh concerns about the national security law. Chairman Chris Young warned that the media could get into trouble when they cover such cases. With the law, uh, I think there's also a legal tour for them to ring in media in our coverage about, say, what they see as uh, stories relating to national security. Under the K 
categories of crimes of secession, subversion, and terrorism, there are references saying that any incitement or promotion of uh, those crimes are also, say, liable to punishment, say, under the law. The question is, say, uh, media reports, publishing a story, interviews, articles that are deemed as, say, secession or subversion and terrorism. Will that also be seen as an incitement or promotion? And if so, journalists or media organizations that publish those stories, uh, again, will fall into the trap of the law. Overseas, emergency teams in Myanmar have found more than 120 bodies after a landslide at a jade mine. The authorities in Kachin state said there had been heavy rain in the area and the miners were buried in a wave of mud. Dozens more are thought to be missing. The BBC's Jonathan Head reports. A video taken from the hills above shows a landslide pouring into the pit lake, churning up the blue-green water. A moment later, the lake empties as its side collapses, the water thundering into the valley below. Thousands of poor workers from all over Myanmar are attracted to these jade mines, which are believed to generate billions of dollars a year for mining companies. The hills have been denuded of trees and carved into a bleak landscape of bare mud slopes. A pan-European police operation has cracked an encrypted messaging network that major criminals use to move drugs and weapons and to commission murders. Britain's National Crime Agency said more than 700 people had been arrested and 70 million US dollars in cash seized. The BBC's Danny Shaw reports. Senior police officers say the operation is an unparalleled victory against kingpin criminals. Three months ago, experts in France cracked a code that allowed access to an encrypted messaging service on customised mobile phones that is used by around 60,000 people across the world. The National Crime Agency says it's been used as a criminal marketplace to coordinate the supply of Class A drugs and weapons and to arrange attacks on rivals. The agency says dozens of criminal networks have been dismantled. Officers are also said to have prevented people being murdered after intercepting messages on the devices. To Russia, where nearly 78% of voters have approved constitutional amendments allowing President Vladimir Putin to stay in power until 2036. Government critics cry foul, saying the vote was rigged. In a video statement on social media, a prominent opponent of Mr Putin, Alexei Navalny, dismissed the results as a huge lie, which didn't reflect the real opinion of Russian people. A fake is a fake and once again I urge everyone to clearly understand that this vote is invalid, illegal. But it has become an open statement of what is happening in the country. Vladimir Putin wants to be the ruler of Russia for life. New Zealand's Health Minister David Clark has stepped down after criticism over recent mistakes in the government's largely successful response to the coronavirus pandemic. In April, Mr Clark was reprimanded and demoted. After it was revealed, he broke lockdown rules to go mountain biking and to take his family to the beach. New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said Mr Clark was right to resign. Anything that acts as a distraction, anything that takes away our time, effort and energy from our response to COVID-19, we just as a country can't afford. So that was a very frank conversation the Minister and I openly had last week. He then came to the very firm view uh, that his ongoing role in this portfolio uh, was going to get in the way of that response. 
The jobs market in the United States is on the mend amid the COVID-19 outbreak. Nearly 5 million jobs were created last month, much higher than forecast and a record figure. The unemployment rate fell to just over 11% as many businesses, such as restaurants and bars, rehired staff. From New York, the BBC's Samira Hussain. American firms continue to hire workers for a second straight month in a row. But many economists say this may not tell the entire story. The data was collected before the United States saw a surge in coronavirus cases. For the fifth time in a little more than a week, America recorded another single-day record for positive cases of the virus. Layoffs could accelerate again as some U.S. states have started ordering businesses to again close their doors. Sports now. The cricket world has been paying tribute to the West Indies legend Sir Everton Weeks, who passed away at the age of 95. He was the only man to make centuries in five consecutive test innings. West Indies cricket president Ricky Skerritt called him an amazing pioneer of the sport in the Caribbean, a tremendous gentleman and a wonderful human being. Here's the BBC's Andy Swiss. In a sport of statistics, Sir Everton Weeks are up there with the very best. Only a handful of batsmen have betted his test average of nearly 60, but his wider impact was perhaps even greater. Until the late 1940s, the West Indies had produced few world-class players. But in 1948, three outstanding young batsmen from Barbados made their debuts. Sir Clyde Walcott, Sir Frank Worrell and Sir Everton Weeks became known as the three W's and they took the team to a new level, especially Weeks. After scoring a century against England, he began his next series against India with four more. That remarkable record of five hundreds in five consecutive test innings has never been matched. Now to the English Premier League. West Ham got a big boost in their hopes of avoiding relegation when they beat Chelsea 3-2, thanks to a last-minute winner from Andriy Yarmolenko. The Hammers are now three points above the drop zone. Here's their manager, David Moyes. We got better. We've got better in all the games, to be fair. Uh, and, I, and I still said to him, I think there's much more improvement. I didn't think we played well enough in the first half. Uh, but I think in the second half we got better, even though I've got to say it was really tough against Chelsea. Elsewhere, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has reached a milestone. He's become the fastest Arsenal player to reach 50 Premier League goals. The Gabon striker scored twice in a 4-0 win over last place Norwich. Here's the Gunners boss, Mikel Arteta. Well, that tells everything. You know, we have some really, really great strikers in this football club, and for him to achieve that is phenomenal. He deserves with his attitude, the effort that he puts every day in training, and the way he's willing all the time to help his teammates. A reminder of our top stories tonight. The government says the protest slogan, Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times, is in violation of the new national security law. A man accused of stabbing a police officer during yesterday's protest is arrested while trying to leave Hong Kong. And Beijing slams London for allowing B&O passport holders to settle in Britain. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 it's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. Hong Kong has recorded nine new imported COVID-19 cases. They involved three men and six women aged between 2 and 40, and all have been to India or Pakistan recently. Medical experts in Hong Kong are also warning that a recent local infection of COVID-19 has revealed a loophole in the quarantine measures implemented here. A woman with no recent travel history has come down with the virus, and she is believed to have contracted it from family members who had returned from the US and were undergoing home quarantine. 
An infectious disease expert, Dr Joseph Tsang, told Ben Che that the government should enhance medical surveillance on the family members of overseas returnees. I think there is uh, currently a loophole uh, in the current system for the quarantine, uh, especially for the household uh, members. Uh, the household contacts are not under the quarantine measures, so whenever they do have some uh, symptoms, they are not required to report to the Centre for Health Protection. And, uh, but uh, they are free to go everywhere in the community, uh, seeing doctors, going to the supermarket. So um, they are prone to uh, at risk of getting the infection because they are uh, considered to be uh, having close contact with those um, household members. So in this case, it somehow signifies or uh, alert us uh, those household members uh, who is not under the quarantine measurements uh, has to be uh, somehow report to the Centre for Health Protection if they do have symptoms. Mm. But why hasn't this problem with home quarantine surfaced earlier? I mean, we haven't seen more cases similar to this. Well, uh, actually, I think uh, this is one of the um, drawbacks of uh, home quarantine. Uh, actually, um, some of the uh, doctors or professors have uh, also mentioned about this in the very early time, mm. about the drawbacks of, uh, or disadvantage of home quarantine. Uh, it is a bit of luck uh, that we haven't encountered such scenario in the past few months, but it doesn't mean that uh, it cannot occur. So what should the government do to plug this loophole at the moment then? Well, I do think that uh, we have to reinforce the household members. Um, I mean, uh, not those other qualities. They have to uh, somehow report to the Center for Health Protection if they do got symptoms. Or they have to alert their family physicians or um, their private doctors whenever they seek for medical consultations. Um, saying that they do have uh, close contact with someone coming back from high-risk areas. Right now, it's under 14 days mandatory quarantine, uh, uh, home quarantine measurements. So uh, to alert doctors uh, to see whether you are indicated for doing the deep throat saliva uh, viral testing. Okay, and just finally, uh, separately, Hong Kong is set to further relax some social distancing measures, but the ban on gatherings over 50 people still remain. What do you make of those arrangements, I mean, given the latest outbreak uh, of the situation? Well, uh, well, this is something that um, I, so far I'm not quite understand, but um, I think that uh, because in the coming days or in the coming uh, weeks, uh, the government will somehow announce some of the uh, new measurements or new uh, uh, scheme for the travel uh, bubbles um, in between Macau and Guangdong provinces. So uh, maybe the government somehow would like to observe uh, how would be um, this uh, new uh, announcement that affects the case number. So that's why they Right now, they do not uh, somehow loosen or relax the, uh, the public gatherings of no more than 50 people.
The Chinese ambassador to the UK, Liu Xiaoming, has hit out at what he described as Britain's irresponsible and unwarranted comments on the just-introduced national security law. It also said it firmly opposed Britain's move to offer British national overseas passport holders a way of settling in the country, adding that China reserves the right to take countermeasures. Veteran Democrat Emily Lau has been following the BNO issue for years. Anna-Marie Evans asked her whether Britain's announcement was good news for Hong Kong people. Yes, I think so. Many of us have been uh, fighting for it for many years. As the question I put to Mrs. Thatcher in 1984, Britain has a moral responsibility for the people that she's left behind after 97. But I must say, most people did not expect uh, Britain to do anything. So when it was first announced, I think many people were quite surprised. Some were actually shocked, but uh, I guess they were pleasantly surprised. So do you expect an exodus of people? I don't think so. And that's what I've been telling uh, many uh, UK news organisations. I said, Hong Kong is our home. Many Hong Kong people want to stay here to live and work here, but they want an emergency exit. They want a lifeboat in case things go very wrong. So if the situation here does not deteriorate, then I think I guess not too many people will want to leave. But of course, if things get very bad, then many would want to leave, whether they have BNO passport or not. So please, Australian government announcing today that they are planning a similar scheme and of course, the British government has said that they would work with the Five Eye countries, that is Australia, New Zealand, Canada and the US, to see if they can set up similar schemes for Hong Kong people to, to, to emigrate to. And, and that would be good because then people will have more choices. And then those who do not have BNO passports, and they can also have other options. Now, Britain says people could be eligible for citizenship after staying there for five years. Would you prefer that to be shorter? Of course. Actually, I prefer them to do what they did in the 90s. That is the British Nationality Selection Scheme, which came out after the Beijing massacre. But it was only given to 50,000 families. And in the end, about only a quarter of a million people got it. But they didn't have to do anything. Of course, they have to apply. And if they had enough points, they would be given the citizenship, uh, the applicant and his or her family. And that would be much better because what Hong Kong people want is something in their pocket rather than to have upstake and move to a foreign place and start all over again. And so I will continue to, to tell the British government whether they can shorten the stay or, or be, give, make it more user-friendly and uh, because it is really tailor-made. For the Hong Kong situation. And as they said, if they start this thing, it's totally unprecedented in, in British history. Is Britain standing up for Hong Kongers or are there ulterior motives behind the move? How do we know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that uh, the, uh, the British people's impression of Hong Kong people is not bad. They think they are very uh, entrepreneurial, very creative, very hardworking, and so they, they like immigrants like that. But I don't know about the other, other reasons. But anyway, if they're going to do it, and if Hong, some Hong Kong people like it, I think that's good. Get on with it. 
Now, the Chinese embassy in the UK says Britain has no right to grant residency to Hong Kongers holding BNOs and says it may retaliate. So how would this affect Sino-British ties, do you think? I just don't know. I think the situation is exceedingly choppy and quite chaotic. But I certainly hope that Britain will not retract now that they have made this offer. And of course, they can talk to the Chinese. And, uh, but, but I don't think, and, uh, and I hope Britain will not say, oh, sorry, it was a misunderstanding. We're not going to do it. I think that would make many people here and in the UK very angry. What about those born after 1997? Well, they did say that uh, they will give what, whatever they are offering. It's to the spouses and the partners of BNO passport holders. So this will be one group which uh, the people do not have to be an old, but if they are spouses or partners, and the children, but minors. So if you are over 18, then you may not qualify. And uh, so again, uh, we want to talk to the British to see if they can make some exception because there are people who are children, but they are over 18. And there are those who were in Hong Kong before 97 but they did fail to apply, and now they want it. So, uh, well, let's see if they can make some exceptions. And if not too many people are flooding into the UK, then maybe, you know. But anyway, they say there's no quota, so it's completely open. And uh, so I, I think a lot of discussions will have to take place in the coming months. And people who have requests or whatever, uh, they can come forward and, and, and tell us what they want. And let's see what the British and what the five-eye countries uh, can do. To Russia, where nearly 78% of voters have approved constitutional amendments allowing President Vladimir Putin to stay in power until 2036. Government critics cry foul, saying the vote was rigged. Anna-Marie Evans asked our Moscow correspondent Fred Weir what he made of the result. Well, um, I think it does reflect the Putin majority, which is still a viable thing in Russia. Um, and the opposition are, are known that that would be the liberals, urban liberals, and the Communist Party. And their combined strength would be like 20-25%. So I think it's a credible result, at least as far as it goes. Indeed. So what does this mean, that he's now in, in charge until 2036? Not necessarily. I think, I think if he just wanted to be made president for life, he would have found an easier way to do it. I think this constitutional package uh, means a lot more for Putin. Uh, it, he wanted to change the tenor of the country, of its ideological stance, from the liberal tone of the 1993 document to include more social provisions, more socially conservative and nationalistic notions. He wanted a Putin con constitution that would be in contrast to the Yeltsin constitution. And in Russia, which is like, we now have had six counting this one, six constitutions since the beginning of the 20th century. So each one of them revolves around the fortunes of a particular political leader. So now Putin has his. And um, I mean, in terms of, uh, yeah, there seems to be some um, emphasis, as you say, on nationalism um, and, you know, patriotism. Um, but uh, in terms of the economy, in terms of day-to-day -day life, this 78%, does that show also a, a certain level of satisfaction with Putin or is that fear talking? 
it doesn't it doesn't show despair i mean a lot of people do get russia wrong and and right now it has survived a lot of multiple crises uh the economy is fair i mean you don't have extreme uh, poverty and homelessness or any of the kind of things you can find even in the united states uh and you do have an unequal distribution of wealth you have a lot of basic problems, but I don't think uh, there is enough to, to get people to take to the streets to become openly anti-Putin. And then there's a lot of things about Putin, his foreign policies, his rhetoric, and so on, that do attract still uh, that large, mainly working class, rural majority. But they're a solid fact, and, and I guess the bottom line here is that Putin did demonstrate that again with this vote. Now, he's, ideologically, he's, he's quite conservative, so this is not good news for issues such as same-sex marriage. Yeah, no, no, Russia, it does reflect the reality of Russia. Uh, I mean, I grew up in Canada quite several decades ago, and it was like that too. Societies do evolve, and I think my main objection to putting this no gay marriage thing into the Constitution is Russia's evolving too. Actually, in socially, it's not coming along all that badly. Maybe in a few decades, um, this it will be a much more liberal place, and that constitutional um, provision will be a problem then. Uh, but it's, it, it, it does reflect the reality of Russia now, uh, as do a lot of these other things. Uh, and I don't see what big difference they make. I don't think that we woke up in a new country today because it has this constitution. I think all the same problems remain and all the same potentials for the future are much the same too. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Todd Harding from our newsroom. Unlawful or violent acts cannot be condoned. If you see anyone damaging traffic lights, blocking roads, throwing petrol bombs or fighting, please call 999 to report such acts to the police as your situation allows. You may also send a message to the police anti-violence hotline 5333-3103 or email hotline at police.gov.hk. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember. 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 Absolutely, moments to remember. Our kind of music. Nostalgia. With Ray Kudiru all the way until 1am. This is Nadia's theme. Johnny Pearson. His piano and orchestra.
kind of music. You can just sit back or lay back and enjoy. Nadia's theme with Johnny Pearson, his piano, and his orchestra. A man who is a favorite with all favorites, Frank Fontaine. This song to know. 